Spread the Fire. Welcome back to SMWX. And we've always said we wanted to spread our attention beyond just South African politics. And today we have a groundbreaking moment on this channel. I'm delighted to be joined by Advocate Nelson Chamisa, who is the president of the Movement for Democratic Change in Zimbabwe. Thanks so much for agreeing to join us on SMWX. Thank you. Thank you. So you delivered a speech a little bit earlier this year where you set out the priorities for MDC. You looked at the agenda for 2020 and, and called it the state of the nation. We know the differences in rhetoric between you and, and the ZANU regime. What is the difference in the content of your program in comparison to, to the ZANU regime? Well, thank you very much. Our agenda 2020 focuses on five core and key priorities. The first one, which is different from ZANU, is that we are fighting against corruption. Beyond the rhetoric, we are doing practical things to make sure we enhance transparency and accountability within the zones of autonomy where the MDC is in charge in local authorities. We want to show evidence of excellence, the template of excellence in our leadership. And this is different. So that's the key fight, number one, we have. The key fight, number two, we have is a people's government and legitimacy. As you may know, we have a disputed um, election of 2018. Mr. Mnangagwa's presidency is disputed. It continues to be disputed. More so even now, because there is new evidence in parliament from the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission that is showing that indeed elections were stolen and the result was manipulated because certain procedures legally were not followed. So we are going to be pushing beyond just the rhetoric of saying we are a people's government, Zimbabwe is open for business, uh, when in fact uh, Zimbabwe is shut for business, when in fact Zimbabwe can't be open for business, when the people themselves do not have fundamental freedom. So you can't be open for business when the citizens' freedoms, people's freedoms are not being respected, when people's business in democracy is not being honored. So th that's the second issue. The third fight. We, we could, are, could I just ask you on the second issue, is, is the intention to pursue a, a deeper challenge in, to indeed. the constitutional court's pronouncements? And, and what form might that take as we as 2020 unfolds? Indeed, we've already taken our matter to the SADC um, in a court mm. to try uh, and uh, get recourse there. But we also have legal you know, platforms and mechanisms within our own context where there's new evidence in the context of constitutional court. We may need to then also uh, call for that matter to be relooked into, but in the context of a separate and mm. different bench. It is its own legal avenues that we're going to pursue. Mm. But in the context of SADC. We are now taking this information to SADC to say, on the basis of this fresh evidence, please let it be a basis and a platform for the engagement in a political dialogue to then go back to the will of the people mm. and also have some kind of a trajectory that is signposted on a various number of issues uh, to then go to a people's government. Because what we have is not a people's government. We need to go back to what the people voted for in 2018 before even 2023. So that's the second issue. The third issue is livelihoods. We, we need to start to respond to issues of humanitarian challenges that the people are facing. Seven million people uh, um, are at the risk of uh, starvation. Uh, people you know, go to sleep on an empty stomach uh, because there's no millimeter, there are no basics. In fact, uh, you know, Zimbabweans uh, literally lack everything. Nothing works in Zimbabwe, no fuel, no electricity, no jobs, um, the list goes on. I mean, no cash, no money. We're using some currents called 
bond RTGS, which is just like uh, some tissue paper that is, mm. uh, you know, designated by currents, uh, you know, almost in a deceitful manner. Um, so all those issues are militating against people's livelihoods, and we need to uh, make sure that livelihoods of the people are sustained at a local level. So MDC in communities will be doing a lot to make sure that we sustain people's livelihoods. We are also calling on international partners, the international community, to give you know, support on food, support on humanitarian support, and also health, uh, because our health system has collapsed. So issues of life loss is very important. The fourth issue is security. But before we, we come to that, and we will, we will go deeper into those issues, but I just want to stop on the economy, because of course this question of scarcity seems only to have deepened in the recent era. Indeed. Um, some critics of your party have said that the economic position is not always clear. Um, is it a pro-left organization? Have you moderated towards the center? Has your rhetoric towards Western institutions, for example, been a little bit more friendly than, than others might like? What is the what is the economic position that is that is different um, under your leadership, sure. but also in distinction to current economic policies that are that are being instituted on Zimbabwe? Let's let's maybe take um, the question of land, for example. That's right. Yeah. Well, I must say that um, we're a social democratic party. Our key values are on freedom, equality, but also justice. So when we talk about the economy, economic justice becomes very key. But economic justice becomes very key in the context of dealing with certain fundamental issues. Let there be consistency of policy. Let there be you know, trust and confidence in how decisions are made. Let there be a return to rule of law. Let there be protection of property rights. Let there be ease of doing business. You know, right now, you know, property rights are being violated, farms being invaded, even black-owned farms. Uh, so it ceases to just be an issue of uh, black and white. But again, it should not be that. Uh, it has to be an issue of security, of tenure, mm. security, of property rights. That is where we are different with ZANU-PF. Sure. Beyond that, we also have to build multilateral support with international community on issues of having an international uh, you know, underwriter as a bank, but also as countries that are able to do business and mm. creating that investment climate where Zimbabwe is indeed in business, not just open for business as a slogan sure. or rhetoric. So that's why we are different. And that's why ZANU would want to then message us as people who are closer to the Western world than mm. themselves. But we are closer because we understand the business language internationally. You, you have to build bridges, not, not burn bridges. Uh, we, we have to create friends, not create enemies. And that's where we are different. That's why we have also said even dealing with our debt situation in the country. Mm. Let's go the route of HIPIC, highly indebted poor countries. Our guys in ZANU-PF have said, look, we don't want to go that route yeah. because that route is not helpful for us. Why do they want to continue to say we are poor, I, I mean, we're rich when we actually poor, um, uh, at least we have riches uh, in mineral resources, but we need to 
exploit them. So that's the difference we are taking. We need a moratorium on the debt situation so that we are able to recuperate and begin to galvanize our productive capacity, begin to build our industries, begin to make sure that production is ramped up, but also have strong institutions, deal with issues of currency reforms, fiscal reforms uh, within the context of okay. what has to mm. generate business and the security of business. So that's on the economy uh, sure, in a nutshell, sure. what has to be done to deal with issues of corruption, to deal with issues of hyperinflation. Right mm. now, inflation is almost like 700%, you know, uh, that's an unofficial rate, mm. but the real rate. The official rate is about 400%, but we are number two after Venezuela, across the whole world. That's a big issue. Our debt situation, 18 billion, you know, in domestic debt, 11 billion in the, what we owe to the Paris Club and other international debt. That's a, that's a very important, element that has to be dealt with. So is the position that you need to take a more pragmatic stance on Western institutions, for example, because ultimately there's no other way out of this debt um, crisis than to have a more pragmatic rhetoric because ultimately if you adopt this confrontational stance, that's only going to further... But most of the debt is odious. So we need to negotiate on that date sure. from a moratorium point of view, but also honoring in the doctrine of succession our own obligations in the past. Uh, so we need to not just have repudiation of the date, but also try and engage some kind of an arranged and uh, moderated uh, repayment you know, system so that we are able to give sufficient space uh, for oxygen in the economy, for oxygen in production, for oxygen in uh, issues of business. And that way, we'll then be able to, to move forward. So that's where yeah. we differ with ZANU. Sure. ZANU would want to bend bridges, throw you know, stones at everyone. We don't believe in throwing stones. We believe in throwing ideas. We believe in throwing strategies around and, you know, having deals that work, not just for Zimbabweans, but for mm. our partners. So that is a win-win situation. So you mentioned and alluded earlier to some of the political questions that you're dealing with, particularly around the election, but there's also this constitutional question that has emerged recently, a well, raft of constitutional Well, on amendments. the five fights, I was going yes. to take the fourth fight, right. which, which is the security. We, we will come to the security. So the fifth one right. is right. actually the fight can I, can I in defense of the constitution. Can I the question? Indeed. Um, the question is, in regards to the constitutional amendments that... Uh, we've heard coming out of uh, the Mnangagwa regime, I think they were gazetted in December. Um, you've spoken a lot about how they try to centralize presidential power. Indeed. Can you take us through that, 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 those amendments and your specific position on them? Thank you. In fact, that's now agenda item number five, the fight sure. number five, mm -hmm. a fight in defense of our constitution and constitutionalism. Sure. We've seen the 27 amendments that Mr. Manangawa wants to unilaterally mm. introduce. Those amendments are a clear, ridiculous um, uh, introduction in the context of uh, the people-driven constitution that was mm. adopted by about 93% of the electorate. But what we are beginning to see is ZANU-PF uh, elite, the minority, coming together, mm. just imposing on the people their own amendments. And these amendments are not about, you know, democratic space enhancement. They are not about uh, democratic space creation. They are actually about authoritarian consolidation. Mm. They are about reversal of our democratic, uh, you know, gains that we have made as a people. Can you give us some examples of the kinds of changes that are being proposed? The first change is they want to de-link 
the issue of uh, uh, delimitation uh, from the census so that they are able then to rig elections because there's no scientific basis or a scientific standard upon which then to benchmark mm. uh, whatever delimitation that is the demarcation mm. of constituencies. Mm. So you can see that is a power consolidation. So who would then decide scheme. the the delimitation if it, it wasn't? Is the, it is decided by uh, people who are handpicked by Mr. Mnangagwa. Hmm. So that's where the problem is. Sure, sure. Uh, they also want to try and increase the number uh, of years for judges in retirement mm. um, uh, up to about 75. Clearly trying to uh, protect certain people, mm. uh, especially um, uh, people who have been working with Mr. Mnangagwa, his henchmen, for purposes again of consolidating power. Mm. We've also seen uh, the attempt to remove uh, the running mate uh, uh, who is democratically elected and then uh, going back to right. where we were under Mr. Mugabe. And again, is, that would mean the president would be able to decide the vice president more directly. So the president is basically becoming an emperor. Right. You know, right. he is becoming an or an imperial president who has all powers. And for us, we, we are opposing that. So those are some of the mm. changes that they want to introduce and we don't, they also, like they've done through the uh, MOPA bill, which is the maintenance of order uh, uh, bill, uh, which is now in act. They want to put more power mm. into the police so that Zimbabwe is basically a police state. If you want to demonstrate, you must get authority from the police, not from the court, but from the police. And that's a bit of a problem. That's. That used to be the case here in South Africa under the apartheid regime. Mm. And that's what we are beginning to see in Zimbabwe. And have you had conversations with people in South Africa? Because, of course, this would be a reversal of the 2013 constitution, a constitution in which South Africa was at well, least interested. Um, are there concerns from the South African side about these proposed amendments? Very well. Um, we have done so. In mm. fact, part of the reason why I'm here is to also begin to build those conversations, mm. but also to create that platform, but mobilize for a global solidarity, a regional solidarity with the people of Zimbabwe. You, you know that the ANC is very important, a partner in the context of our politics in the region, on the continent. So we want that solidarity with uh, the people of Zimbabwe. We're not asking the ANC to be in solidarity with MDC. We would not ask the ANC to be in solidarity with ZANU. We want the ANC to be in solidarity with the people of Zimbabwe because the fight for freedom, the fight against injustice has always been the ANC fight. It has always been the fight by South Africans and it is not predicated mm. on parties. It is predicated on the cause, on fighting a bad system. And we have such a system in Zimbabwe, the black apartheid we have in Zimbabwe mm. with the minority that is in leadership. That is what we must attack. I know you also met with President Mbeki, I think, towards the end of last year. Are there any funny stories you can tell us from that that, that have, haven't emerged or anecdotes you can share with us about just what it was like to be meeting with President Mbeki? Very useful. Um, I think you know that President Mbeki uh, brokered the first deal yeah. at the GPA in 2008, uh, which culminated in the inclusive government. So uh, there's some unfinished business. So mm. we wanted uh, President Mbeki to uh, finish what he started. Uh, to complete uh, what he began. Uh, and so his coming to Zimbabwe uh, was actually a, a good um, a platform mm. to begin that conversation because we need to deal with fundamental issues around the role of the military in our civilian politics, the civilian military relations in the context of Zimbabwe so that we roll back the frontiers of dictatorship mm. and tyranny in our country. That can only happen once we have dealt with comprehensive reforms, once we have dealt with electoral reforms, constitutional reforms, political reforms, uh, security 
um, uh, establishment understanding of what their role is supposed to be. Mm. And so we, we, we de-villagize our military and demilitarize our villages uh, so that the military is in the barrack protecting our sovereignty as a people and the interests and territorial integrity of our country, but not being an enemy of the people because it's a people's army. So let's, let's come to this question of security. And I'd like to look at it in a, in a slightly different way. I've, I've, of course, heard your statements about it. But, you know, being an opposition leader in Zimbabwe is not easy. Your, your life is probably constantly under threat. Indeed. And, and beyond... In fact, being a Zimbabwean mm. is not easy. Sure. You know, just to be a citizen, you mm. know, because everything is not working. Everything mm. doesn't work. Nothing works. Yet, as Zimbabweans, we are industrious, we are peace-loving, we are hard-working, we are gifted, mm. uh, we, 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 we do our best under the circumstances, very innovative, creative. So we, we basically have everything except leadership. And mm. that's a tragedy. And that's, make, that's what makes it difficult for anybody to be a Zimbabwean. It's, a, it's such a challenge. You know, we often, uh, you know, joke to say we don't think that, uh, you know, uh, when we die we'll go to hell because we've already, you know, uh, paid our dues mm. in hell in Zimbabwe <laughs> just because of the situation. So mm. it's not just about the leadership. It's also about every citizen, you sure. know. Look at the number of people in the diaspora, four million. That's mm. not a joke. It tells you that there is a problem. It, it tells you that Zimbabwe is burning. Mm. But a burning Zimbabwe is always a danger for the entire region, but also for the continent. Because a failed Zimbabwe, which is a failed state, is a failed Africa. Mm. It is a failed Sadak. So we have to, and this is what I'm appealing to uh, uh, with the leaders in Sadak and also AU to try and help. And what's it like for you and, and leaders in your movement to, to have to operate under conditions where you're not just worried about people disagreeing with you, but there's actually a threat of extreme violence and extreme intimidation. How's that affected you personally? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a call to courage. It's a call to leadership. Um, and we are ready to uh, give Zimbabweans a fighting chance uh, for hope, for peace, and for democracy. Uh, so, yes, we know that there's real danger to ourselves, but at times there are uh, moments in life when you have to go beyond just uh, self-sensitivity um, uh, uh, to danger uh, and begin to see the bigger danger that is on a nation. Uh, so the nation's danger is more important uh, to us than individual spaces, uh, you know, and the risks that we face. Yes, we have colleagues with treason charges. We've had ourselves being brought before the courts on trumped-up charges. Uh, we've had attempts on our lives, uh, attempted assassinations. All those are part of our stories. But that is the nature of our politics mm -hmm. in a dictatorship. So I'd like to come to some questions that deal with relations between Zimbabwe and South Africa. Um, beyond just state politics and foreign policy, since 2008, South Africa has struggled to deal with Afrophobic violence. A great deal of violence has been directed against African brothers and sisters who come from outside South Africa's official borders. And of course, many Zimbabweans have been affected by this violence in the last decade, and not least, of course, in, in the most recent period, which occurred late last year. What's your view on the violence that has been directed against other Africans from within South Africa? Very unfortunate. Um, in, uh, the, the Berlin Conference boundaries were imposed on us. 
And there's not been a post-Berlin discussion and consensus to say, how do we deal with these um, imposed colonial boundaries? But I'm glad that with the continental uh, you know, free trade area, we've begun the discourse. The future is about the new Africa. And the new Africa must be borderless. The new Africa must be about Africans with their African you know, blessings in minerals, in um, uh, intellect, in resources, the human resource factor, the population we have, the boom that we have to build on, so that we are ready for the fourth industrial revolution. We are ready for the next uh, struggles, the transformation struggle we have on the continent. We have to lead the world. But we lead the world in ideas, we lead the world in technology. We can only do so when we begin to think uh, beyond uh, enclaves of uh, the borders that are imposed on, on countries, uh, particularly from the past. So we need to begin to talk about the new independence, the new Africa, um, uh, the, the new frontiers uh, of opportunities, the new prosperity in Africa, inclusive prosperity. That is only possible if we ignore and we begin to ignore the uh, impositions of tribes, impositions of uh, uh, colonial boundaries that were imposed on us. And do you have confidence that, that the South African government can deal with this issue? Um... Of course, uh, I have no reason to doubt uh, that it is a people's government elected by the people of South Africa, and I think it's reposed with the necessary capacity and wisdom to galvanize the interests and aspirations of the people, not just of uh, South Africa, but of Africans. Uh, and of course, that discourse must go beyond just South Africa, so that it's con continent-wide, it's mm. continental discourse. Now, within the region, politics has often been dominated by old, old men. Um, it, it's resembled something more of an old age home than, than a thriving political landscape. No, let's just say mature men. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Extremely. Yeah. When mature. you say old, they they begin to then caucus <laughs> and they build these trade unions of um, the yeah. old and they start to fight the young. Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. Sure. it must not be a fight. <laughs> okay. Let's say let's say mature. Um, <laughs> on the extreme end of maturity. I hear you. <laughs> um, but opposition politics, you know, in South Africa, in Zimbabwe now, and even in Botswana to probably a lesser extent but seems to be adopting a younger face. And of course, you represent that probably in the most prominent way out of any of the countries. Do you think it's important that politics becomes younger in the region? And what kind of challenges have you faced given the, the ageism or the maturism that dominates liberation politics? Well, I must say that um, liberation was, was a process. Uh, we can't be in a permanent process of liberation. You know, we can't be liberating every day, unless if the liberation is false. You know, once we liberate, we need to move to the next level. So we, we had the liberation consensus across the continent, from Ghana, you know, Nigeria, all the countries on the continent. We have liberated South Africa, we are liberated. But beyond the liberation, we must build a new consensus around democracy. Now, we need to open up the space to the citizens, mm. young and old, citizens, civic, and those who are state actors. So uh, from our perspective, we feel that going forward, we must also respond to a global call for uh, the young to take the lead. It's not just in politics. 
you, you go to the technologies, you go to business, you have, um, you know, Google, if you look at people behind Google, you look at people behind uh, Facebook, uh, Zuckerberg, you know, Elton Musk, it shows you that the young are ready to take over. And let it be about, you know, button sharing, passing on the button, so that the old generation do not continue to succeed themselves successfully and successively. They need to make sure that they also pass on the button, not just in terms of age, but also in terms of ideas, so that the future is very young, and we must begin to respond to the future by also having young people taking the lead. Uh, we are not going to be talking about uh, uh, men in the 70s, women in the 70s taking leadership mm. roles going forward. It's just going to be impossible because they can't understand. I mean, this is a digital age. You can't have an analog uh, leadership in a digital <laughs> age. You know, uh, others, Africa will not succeed. Well, Nelson Chamisa, uh, thank you so much. I think your presence on SMWX shows that you already thinking ahead of some of your some of your more mature peers when Thank it you. comes to the way political messaging is, is being spread. And we really appreciate you taking the time to engage with us on SMWX. This is certainly a groundbreaking moment for our channel. Thank you. Wish you well in 2020 and may you continue to grow. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank sure. you so much. Thank you. Aye. Aye. Thanks for watching the content. Like, share and subscribe on all platforms. SMWX.co.za to join the WhatsApp channel. And let's build a new conversation for a new generation. Are you? Are you?